It's the lowdown, and welcome to it. Thursday already. This week is flying by, he lied. Oilers in Philly for what is always a fun and nasty game. Flyers-Oilers rivalry, massive history. Oh, my God. They're all over each other over the years. Sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada. You can just tune in, too. Catch us online. Text or call 1-833-401-1440. We're on Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. The lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, but the same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road, wolfgmcbuick.com. Our guest today, John Shipley from Jaguar Report, will preview Thursday night football. That's a good football team. We, we, I don't think we have confirmation yet, and we'll find out about who the quarterback is, and that's a big deal. Charlie O'Connor from Philly Sports helps preview the flyer side of tonight's NHL game, and then bagged milk. From Oilers Nation will give us the latest from the Oilers site. Before we go any farther, uh, we've had a couple of changes here on the show that I need to get to. First of all, what's with the fake glasses, buddy boy? Yeah, so this is a uh, purely fashion-based decision. Uh, just wanted to, wanted to try it out, see if I could snag a couple compliments, uh, see if people would tell me it brings out my eyes, things like that. So mm-hmm. far, none of that, just ridicule, <laughs> which I guess was maybe to be expected in the early st- in the early steps of this uh, process. Would you say that we're not supportive of your innovations? No, I would say you're more than supportive. I, w- I would say I would say you're not just supportive; you're encouraging. Yeah, but, um, but is that good? Just like give them enough rope, right? Keep doing what you're doing. Maybe you, I'm hanging you out to dry. No, I know. I think now you've realized wow i let this guy get a little too comfortable and now he's showing up here with fake glasses just you know trying to run the show and uh, we gotta we gotta knock him down a couple what i liked is i said are they new glasses and you confess they're just for the look you're doing this just out of vanity i am a hundred percent a hundred percent and listen i think they look okay Look, you're, you're a handsome man, so Thank they look you. great. Appreciate that. Yeah, listen, um, I mean, no compliments yet. Like I said, I'm going to keep fishing. I haven't seen too many people. How many ladies today. have seen you in this? Uh, one of the ladies from the Stingray Sales Department and saw me. What did she say? Did not address it at all. Just said hi and kept walking. And I was like, "Hey, uh, well, notice, maybe noticed she anything just, different about maybe me?" Maybe she noticed it and was so blown away by it, like you know, shocked her yeah. shoes how good it was. She just kept on going. That could have been it. I think she she kind of got out of our conversation quickly to go laugh and gossip about me. And be like, Do you see what this idiot's <laughs> doing true. over there? That, but all of the ladies who work at the Stingray Sales Department and the guy uh, are all great people. I know that. By the way, the other thing is, I'm posting it now on Twitter. Uh, Declan brought in a disco ball. For some reason, uh, to give the studio during the lowdown a different look, and I I don't get it. But what was your thinking there, sir? Well, I mean, you talk so much about 1978. I figured I'd throw it back there a little <laughs> bit and make it uh, make it a little more homey for you. No, the the alarm went off, and if you were listening to Fantasy Frenzy in the last hour, you probably would have heard it. Uh, the alarm went off. The fire alarm was blaring. We've since seeded the sound. But this light is still flashing, and I will say it's flashing directly into my eyes. Like yeah. I'm not one to complain, but it is right in my eyes. And I was looking around behind me. I was like, "Al, is this is this getting you at all? No. Nothing. It's just me." I, I just so you know, if in the middle of this show I start going beep beep, hey Mister, that just know that I'm in my disco era. Okay, and I'm okay. going to dim all the lights and sing MacArthur Park. Mm. Uh, and maybe if you're lucky, love to love you, baby. But that's that's a stretch, and I don't think anybody wants to hear me sing that song. Okay, there are sports things to talk about, so let's do that. Brian Prop was the best WHL left winger in league history. Uh, he was uh, maybe there's another one who's come along that I've forgotten, but when he was drafted into the National Hockey League, I believe in '79, he was the best all-time left winger in WHL history. Brandon Weeking. That line was unbelievable, and he was the best player on the line. 85 and 87, Brian Propp makes the finals with the Flyers. In 90, 
he makes the finals with the Bruins. Three times he makes the finals. Lost them all to the Edmonton Oilers. So somewhere out there is Brian Prop going about his business, going, you know, I've had a good life. I've had a good career. People still know who I am. He still works in Philly. I looked him up. And he's a big mucky muck in the business world there, as you would expect. Successful fella. And yet the three Stanley Cup rings that should be on his hand belong to Messier, belong to Lowe, belong to, well, I can't say Gretzky because he wasn't here in 90. But Huddy and Anderson and Curry, Fuhrer, yeah. This is always a fun game. I always look forward. First of all, two of the best uniforms of the expansion eras. And there's always a story. Even if they're crappy, they're bad. They're good. The stories are good. I remember one year the Flyers came in and they were sucking the mightiest suck that they'd ever sucked at the start of the year. And I say that thinking maybe you're, you're thinking maybe there's some hyperbole there. No, they were bad. They were very bad. Everybody was going to get fired. Ed Schneider was mad as hell. And he wasn't going to take it anymore. It was bad. And there was a rumor that I was not working on the radio at the time, which bugged me. I remember being, uh, I think, in NISCU. I was in sales, and I'm parked in a car, and two guys are talking about it on the radio. And I'm like, no, you got to bring up this point and this point, because that's what, I, that's what I do. I correct radio. I love radio, but I correct it when I'm not on it. And so the, the rumor was Wayne Simmons from the Flyers to the Oilers and Jordan Eberle going the other way. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That, because Simmons was an Oiler-type player, which meant he was a Flyers-type player. And Eberle, you know, he was a finesse guy, but a really good finesse guy. An outscorer finesse guy. A guy who could push the river a little finesse guy. So it hurt my heart to think about Jordan Eberle leaving. Shouldn't have, because they sent him away for a load of hay later. Although Ryan Strom was a good player. Ryan Spooner, not so much. But whenever the Flyers and the Oilers get together, always good news, always something happening, always exciting. I, I think this is a game you can get up for, you know? Not that Columbus isn't thrilling. I get it. Columbus, oh my, so interesting. Yeah. DeHarnay in tonight, Broberg out. We, I promised you we would talk about Philip Broberg every day in the first segment. I know you're going to get sick of it. Don't care. Because I, we're tracking this fellow. We want to know what he is and what the deadline might bring. And it looks like he's a healthy scratch tonight. But he's around 15 minutes a night in the first three games. His uh, expected goal share is over 50%. Even if that's what he holds at and they trade him at the deadline, they should be able to get something for him. Maybe they're going to keep him. I don't know. If they keep him, they've got to move uh, Brett Kulak because that's going to be a spot, I think. I think DeHarnay is going to do what he did a year ago. He's going to take the job away from Broberg. This might be the start of it. Uh, Jack Campbell starts. Why not? Had a great outing in his last game. And Carter Hart starts for Philly, and he's been lights out. He's been very good through three games. I want to talk about save percentages today, as I did on the blog, because this is really important stuff. During the Connor McDavid era, the Edmonton Oilers save percentage at 5-on-5, which is the purest form of save percentage. You know how like sometimes they'll have, uh, yeah, I had to, uh, you know, we got this great liquor, but we, you know, we had to tone it down a little bit. This is the pure stuff. This is the high octane stuff. This is the 110. What's the most proof you could have in a liquor? 
Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. Let's I just say it's it one ten. Okay, like forty proof for me is kind of the standard, but I don't know. Maybe I'm way off base. I'm not. I'm not a huge well, drinker, so I don't know. Yeah, well, you and cheese don't get along either. It's funny about you. Kind of funny about you in a lot of ways, Mister glasses that don't need to be there people are just going to think i hate all the things that make everyone else happy and that's not the case <laughs> it's not a bad way to go you're your opposite you know kruger uh so 914 say percentage in 2015-16 the 29th best in the league then 927 in 2016-17 number seven in the league cam talbot was amazing they played the hell out of him and he fell back and then they sent him away the following years, number 23, number 26, number 25, number 19, number 19, number 15, number 28 so far this year, it's early. Last year's number 15 was pretty damn good, but they need to get to the top 10. I think they can outscore a lot of, lot of mistakes. I believe that. There is some major league torque on this team, but you can't be that far behind. You can't be number 25 or number 26. You've got to be number 8, I think, to win Stanley in Edmonton. What does that mean? It means that there's probably a trade for a goalie unless these guys straight up and fly right, and Campbell did in the last game. Tell you about the show today. This is the portion we call, or Declan calls, headlines. And then we're going to talk to John Shipley about the Jaguars. He's from uh, Jaguar Report. And then Charlie O'Connor, who's uh, with Philly Sports, does the Philly Sports podcast, also worked at the Athletic, very fine writer. Bagged Milk from Oilers Nation will join us at 1 o'clock today. We'll have NHL rumors and more. Have we ever given anything away on this show? We haven't, but I've thought about that. I would love to do a giveaway. What about a, like a, a, a date with Declan? Um, Yeah. With or without glasses, you get to choose. Yeah, that's a, that's a good Well, I bet <laughs> you'd have a long lineup of people who would I, like to go out with you. Listen, if we do it auction style, you got to pay a little more for me to bring the glasses. You know what I mean? Like, those cost a little extra because you're getting me in my best. See, it took but. you 11 seconds to adapt, and now you're you're being a bit of a prima donna. I like it. I know. Not born that way. What can I say? i got to thank um, David's Tea. I, I, I forgot to get a coffee on the way in. And I, because you you talk a lot and I have to respond to you, um, I need to have something to soothe my my throat when we're on the air for two hours. I can dial it back a bit if that'll help. No, because when you dial it back, I hear the typing. It's the incessant typing. Right, so it's just the lesser of two evils yeah. when I'm talking all If the Edgar Allan Potato were alive, he'd write some kind of a horrible short story about your <laughs> typing and what, what it does. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin has now failed to record a shot on goal in back-to-back games for the first time in his career. 19 years, 1,350 games. First time ever, he hasn't got a shot on goal. Now he's had shots at goal. And you kids who are playing along at home know what that means. Type, 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 type. Are you just Googling things or what are you doing over there? Um, I'm getting the sports update ready a little bit. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm prepping the podcast for what needs to be done on our uh, podcast upload website, ACAST, uh, things like that. When we get the podcast out there, people are going to want to hear us say something about the game tonight between Jacksonville and New Orleans. What would you like to say about that game? For me, like, it's 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 a bit of a nothing game. I mean, there's a, it's obviously interconference. There's no... There's no like division at stake. I, I think New Orleans is a fine team. They they might go on to win the uh, to win the the NFC South, but they're nothing special. A first round playoff exit seems more than likely. Jacksonville is a team that has a lot of talent. I'd like to see them showcase it, but this is the most quintessential Week Six Thursday night game. I mean, 
it's just like how do you put much stock into this one at yeah. this point in the season? They're both I, I, they're both like New Orleans is average. Jacksonville might be a little bit better, but at this point in time, who's to say and who's to really care? Yeah, and I don't want to sound like a downer because I love football no matter what. Oh, and I'm but always, you'd never sound that way. I'm always grateful to watch the games, but it's just what what can you really say about this matchup at this point in time? Well, I, I, the, for the first time, I think, ever, Jacksonville is now interesting to me because of their quarterback. But do we know if he's playing? Uh, according to a report earlier on ESPN.com, he is set to play. But like you said, we're going to get a lot more info from that from uh, John Shipley in about seven minutes here. He'll clear things up for us. But from what I've seen, looks like he's going to play. Well, and, and and then you wonder how limited his, um, like, how limited he'll be. In terms of the game, you know, because he, has, he I don't think he practiced. It was, it was uh, Bethard who was practicing, right? Like, he hasn't practiced with the team. So it'll be the basic playbook. He's only been there several years. He wouldn't know it well. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. I mean, if you do have Lawrence in there, you get to expand the playbook a little bit. But then the question becomes how much? I mean, it's a, it's a sprained knee that he's, uh, that he's dealing with. Trevor Lawrence, he's not a mobile quarterback the way Lamar Jackson is, but he's certainly mobile enough in the pocket. How much does that hinder him? We'll see. We'll talk to John about it, and uh, we'll, we'll get some answers. I did a picture of you. I took a photograph, and I sent it out on Twitter, Declan Glasses on the lowdown. We'll see what people think of that. Okay, okay. wow. I'm, this might be the most nervous I've ever been. Well, I mean, first of all, the disco ball is ruining your ability to pay attention to anything, and now your glasses. I don't... What are you going to bring in tomorrow? Some kind of Liberace cloak? Well, I'm hoping to get a haircut tomorrow morning, so... Yeah, but you wear a, you wear a cap. We never know... I don't know what you look like with your <laughs> hair. Well, when I get my fresh cut, there will be no hat no hat tomorrow, sir. We we jinxed the Texas Rangers, you know that, right? Yes, we did. We had Big a time. guest on. He was talking about how good things were going. And then, because we do this, straight into the dumper. Right into the crapper. There you go. Gone, baby, gone. There goes their chances. And I guess Houston of all teams. Houston has got to be the least popular team in professional sports because they cheated. But they beat the Rangers 8-5. And Texas leads the series 2-1. But, man... The next game, which goes, um, I guess it goes today, right? Yeah, it's today. And the the uh, Phillies game goes at three today. So two games in baseball. Last night, I got to say, there was not a lot on the NHL sked. And I watched this show that I'm I'm more and more addicted to. I'm going to wait until I see it a little more to tell you about it because there's... Some mildly inappropriate stuff, and I believe that with our PG rating, I may not be able to talk about it that much. Not that Low Tide goes there. I'm not that guy, honestly. I'm really not. But this show is pretty compelling. And, um, well, it's a, it's a, it's a, I'm going to put it this way. It's a bit of a bicycle ride from Murder, She Wrote, to the show I'm watching right now. And you can guess it if you want. You'll never guess it. But you can try at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Why would you even preface it like that? Why would you? You're never going to guess it. Go ahead, try, try and fail, but you'll never get it. Like why even? Why even have that preface? Forty three years of radio, sir. <laughs> okay, forty three years of radio. It just seems like a bit of a slight. But maybe that's just me taking things personally. Well, maybe you're maybe you're a, sensitive you know, teetotaler. Maybe you don't like shows that have you know exposed skin. I don't know. Mm. What do you watch? What, what's your favorite channel? My favorite channel? Probably uh, Fox Sports. Fox Sports 1. 
Yeah, I can see that. ESPN, you know. I was going to say Vision TV, but I don't want to give you a reputation. All right, John Shipley on the way. We're going to talk NFL. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's Disco Thursday on Sports 1440 on the Lowdown. You're listening to the Lowdown, powered by Wolf GMC Buick. Oh, yes. I remember those days very well. Joined now by John Shipley from the Jaguar Report. Uh, thanks for joining us. I know you're a big fan of Disco Thursday. <laughs> Doing good, my friend. Thank you for having me on. So we, we don't really know about Trevor Lawrence here. What have you heard on Trevor Lawrence and whether or not he'll play? Yeah, it surely seems like all the signs are pointing to Trevor Lawrence starting tonight. Yeah, he He's obviously been pushing for it all week. He's really big on, you know, really the toughness aspect of the quarterback position and being reliable week in and week out. So I think that streak of, you know, 42 consecutive games started he has, he wants to keep. And I, I do think the injury is to the point where, you know, it, obviously it's not 100%, but it's not the type of injury where he has to be kept out of the game completely. So I, I think they'll do some stuff scheme-wise to protect him, but all expectations are that he's going to start tonight. He's been very durable, right? Like he, we talked about the consecutive streak, but he's, he's, it's not like he's banged up a lot either. He just seems to be one of those young quarterbacks who's who can withstand the 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 punishment of the National Football League. Yeah, absolutely. And th- this is only really the second injury that he's faced in his career. The first one was a toe injury last year. Uh, really, it was basically a sprained toe that he had against the Detroit Lions. That first injury looked a lot worse. You know, he went down. Obviously, came back in that game, and it was funny. The only other game that he's been questionable before in his career, and it's only the second time he's been questionable, was last year in Week 14 after that injury, and he ended up, you know, 370 yards, four touchdowns, probably the most productive day he's ever had. So he's been extremely durable, and in the few instances where he has been hurt, it hasn't really impacted his game much. The the backup quarterback is like you know some in some cities the backup quarterback is wildly popular. Um, I, I mean, I I honestly don't know. Uh, how closely you'd have to watch the team to be able to know a lot about Bethard. Um, if he has to come into the game or, or you know, God forbid he starts, uh, how much of the playbook can he use or could he uh, thrive in? Yeah, I, I think the fact that, you know, Bethard's an inexperienced guy who has been with the team, you know, for the last couple of years. He's been basically with Lawrence the entire step of his career. He's now you know, here in his second system with Press Taylor and Doug Peterson. And, you know, it's kind of a cliche for teams to say, you know, we don't expect any drop-off if we have to put the quarterback in. And it really is kind of just, you know, fodder talk. But when it comes to Bethard, the Jaguars do believe that he can still, you know, hit a good chunk of the playbook. You know, it's it's a West Coast offense. They ask the quarterback to really play point guard more often than not, and they trust that he can do that. They also think he's a guy who, if he had to play, can hit some downfield throws. You know, he's a very proficient vertical passer when he does play, you know, mostly in the preseason. So that's something that they would obviously still try to do. But a lot of the quarterback movement stuff that they do with Lawrence, you know, a lot of the rollouts, a lot of the design runs, I think you'd see a lot less of that. But that's probably about the only change. So they have some weapons, and, and I look at the target, you know, for, for this team, uh, and there's there's two or three that are really high rates, obviously. What kind of target share should people look for tonight? from, I guess, the prominent ones. Yeah, I I think that the guy to watch tonight is honestly Christian Kirk. I 
when the Jaguars play teams, they run a lot of man coverage and press coverage. They like to target Kirk. You know, they like to target the outside receivers when they play zone teams, like you know they did last week against the Indianapolis Colts. So, I, I think against a man team like the like the Saints, they're going to try to press receivers at the line. I think this is a big Christian Kirk night and Evan Ingram too. You know, the Jaguars are going to really run an offense where they're trying to protect Lawrence and getting the ball out of his hand quickly. I mean, Ingram's been one of his favorite targets the last two years, but especially on those shorter throws, those quick, you know, those quick reads, kind of check down like throws where they rely on the target to get yards after catch. He loves hitting Ingram on those. So they do go to that kind of offense. I expect a heavy dosage of Ingram as well. So this, this team they're playing, I mean, I'm a big Doug Peterson fan, so I always watch the game, but but the the offense of New Orleans is like matzo balls boring. It's a yawn city, and I have a feeling this game is going to be tough to pay attention to at some points. How easy is it for a team like Jacksonville to play defense against this team? Yeah, I, I think that the Jaguars' defense so far has been you know an extremely underrated unit to this part. They're top ten and pretty much any metric that you look at, but especially their run defense and their early down defense, they, they really take it to the teams on first and second down and force them into those third and long. So I think with a team that, you know, runs a pretty vanilla offense like the Saints, I, I really think the Jaguars should be able to tee off on those early downs, which, you know, leaves the third down. You know, whether the Jaguars can win third down while they're down, arguably their best defensive back at Tyson Campbell, that's the question they have to be able to answer tonight. This is a team that I, you know, I think is growing on people. Nine and eight a year ago, and then four and two already this year, and they don't seem to be afraid of of road games. What kind of um, what kind of expectations are on the fan base? Or are they just happy to be four and two? Yeah, I, I, I think that at this point, the Jaguars, you know, fan base. The first three weeks obviously didn't go anybody wanted, and I think fans are probably hitting the panic button a little bit. You know, the, the offense wasn't clicking. The, the offensive line was kind of uh, in shambles a little bit due to injuries and suspensions, and the pass rush just wasn't getting there. But this three-game winning streak, you know, winning cures everything. And I think that the Jaguars internally and then their fans as well feel like they're kind of hitting their stride at the right time and they're finally ready to start clicking as a team. Like, if, if Trevor Lawrence, you know, didn't get hurt in last week's game, this would be the most positive energy, you know, in Jacksonville in a long time, even dating back to last year's, because it just feels like the team has kind of figured things out. Thanks for this. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you guys for having me. All right. John Shipley, Jaguar Report. That was good stuff. I think you're right, though. I think it's a game that um, could easily get boring in a hurry. I feel like New Orleans will be three and out, well, four and out, three and out. Um, what? probably five times in the first half, maybe get a few first downs, maybe a field goal, maybe a touchdown. Yeah, I could see it's a game that screams 10-10 at halftime, and then the Jags pull away, end up winning 24-13 in just a game that, you know, is close but not really fun and then gets blown a little wide open and still isn't very fun. And again, no disrespect to the Jags, no disrespect to the Saints, but it's just just one of those games you throw on a Thursday night at this point in the season. It's not Bill's Eagles. You and I would be at, like, fisticuffs. Uh, we would have to get replacements on both yeah. sides of the uh, of the glass here. People are texting in wanting to know which show I have. It's a scandalous, salacious show. Uh, and, you know, what is it? Probably White Lotus. You've been watching that since last year from Oil Boots. I have. It is a, it's a really good show. I have, but that's not what I'm talking about. Um Giveaway as God is my witness. I thought turkeys could fly. Thanksgiving dinner giveaway. 
from NWT Grant. That's actually a really good idea. Only murder in the murders in the building. I I I watched that. I think the season three is over. I think it's ten episodes deep, and I've watched them all. And now I'm rewatching because it's the kind of show that I think deserves a rewatching. All the murders in my apartment. No. Uh, Low Tide is your show. Big Little Lies. It's a good one. I I don't know that one. I will look it up. Um, proof is double the alcohol content. Everclear is one ninety proof. You do the math. Okay. Okay. I have not had Everclear. Um, there was a band called Ever something or other. Um. Anyway, it doesn't matter now. The typing is surprisingly loud. I know you can't hear yourself think. It's like it's like. The background, it's distracting. That's what it is. It is distracting. And he he rebels in it. He, all he does is all work and no play make Declan a dull boy over and over again. As a Carter Hart fan and an Oiler fan, I hope Edmonton wins 1-0 with 57 shots from Rob. I will tell you that Carter Hart is playing really well. Good afternoon, Low Tide. I have a line I'd like to run by you for the orders. Brown, Kane, Hyman, Bouchard, and Ekholm. Okay. Um, Hyman could play center. Okay. Uh, also, do you think the Expos would still be around if they had a chance to win the World Series back in 94 from Atif? I do. I do think that it was... I, I think I think George Steinbrenner and, uh, and Bud Selig and the other owners said... The Canadian teams won twice in a row. The 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 Expos are going to win a third year in a row, uh, like for Canadian teams, and to hell with that noise. They shut it down. Jackasses. I'll never forgive it. I'll never forgive it. I do not forgive that. And I'm not going to get mad about it because, you know, I'm taking blood pressure pills. But damn it. That, that meant the world to me. That was the year my son was born. I held him in my arms and I said, the Expos are going to win the World Series this year. Now, you can say... What kind of a dad tells his little boy who's newborn that the Expos are going to win the World Series? I told him I loved him and I was going to be a good dad before I said anything about the Expos. It's not like I'm a cretin or anything. 190 proof after that, it's rocket fuel. Okay. I did not know any of this. You may have, you may have listened to the show before. You'd know that that's sort of our wheelhouse. What don't we know about? Let's talk about that like we're experts. I get fans have their favorites, but why are they rooting for against some players and voting for them to fail? Players like Philip Roberg or Evander Kane or DeHarnay. I don't get it. Has it always been that way? Uh, hmm. Not as bad as this, but but I'll tell you what happened uh, around, let's say, aught five. Somewhere in there. And you can blame the blogs because I've had a blog that's run for 20 years. Did you know that? 20. You'd think I'd get a life. 20 years, I've been getting up every day and writing something that publishes at 8.30. Now, not all of them are Rembrandts, I will say that. But holy moly, that's a lot. I should get some kind of, you know, plaque. Just saying. Um, Anyway, people go online now on, let's say, Twitter or X or whatever Elon is calling it today. And you, right after the draft, you have an opinion. What the hell? They drafted Xavier Borgo, and they should have drafted Jesper Waldstead. Meanwhile, three weeks before this, you didn't know who either guy was. But you, you, you create an online presence 
that tells everybody you know more than the next guy. And the reason I know that's not true is because nobody that I can see, uh, aside from the Puck IQ guys, factors in luck. A lot of this is luck. It just is. Mark Pouliot got hurt 400 times after he was drafted. He got hurt before he got drafted, and then a bunch more afterwards. So the career we saw was not the career he was destined to have. Happens all the time. Doug Lynch from the Red Deer Rebels, same thing. But we... We, we establish an online idea, and then we go for it. For years and years and years, my, my sell line on my, on my blog was keep your powder dry. And the reason I don't use it anymore is because the owners should not keep their powder dry. You see how I adapted there? Suck, suck, suck. Keep your powder dry. Don't trade any young kids or draft picks. And then when you're trying to win, you have to flip it. You get rid of that powder as quickly as you can. You put it in that rifle, and then you shoot Whoever's coming at you, that's the deal. Now, I'm a nonviolent human, but I'm using that as an example. More hockey talk or retire. Love you, LT. This show has never just been about sports. And when a young man who's a producer and out there making the scene, I don't know where you go after the show, has new glasses and has a disco ball light in here, I got to mention it. It's my job as a human. By the way, people are liking your glasses. Well, the picture wasn't very flattering. What do you mean? I took a picture of you. Yeah, but I was like, I was mid talking about Jag Saints. I can look a lot better. You're a handsome Dan there. You look look, uh, mindful and you look intelligent and you look like you bought a Syracuse shirt. This was gifted to me, actually. Very nice. It's a a good color for you. I don't know. What what are you, a, a winter? I'm a fall. Are you? I'm a fall. I don't think you are. I think fall would eat you for breakfast. Uh-oh, Low Tide is watching reruns of Red Shoe Diaries again. No, I did watch the originals, though. I will tell you that. Low Tide versus Kruger Mud Wrestling. <laughs> Match halftime during Bill's Eagles for Martin. Never going to happen. Never going to. I'm never going back in mud again or jello. Also, the proof system for alcohol is just someone trying to make their liquor sound better. How can we make this 45% sounds even wilder? Let's double it up and call it proof. I suspect there's a little bit of that, you know. It's like, you know, when you, back in the day, and you'd say, I got a 427 Hemi. Eh, just means you're spending more gas to get to the same place. It's also like Americans with their SAT scores. Mm. Like, oh, I got a 1520 on my SAT. So. Which is a lie, probably. No, very good score, but I'm just saying, like, we just have a percentage base. You don't need to throw out all these big four-digit numbers. What do they use to grade out it with Mensa again? I know you told me earlier. Mensa, Mensa, isn't Mensa just based on an IQ scale? It used to be, but I, I, I you know, you're in it, so you would know. Why well, can't you just share with us? No, they kicked me out, but I, I always thought it was graded just on an IQ scale. I didn't know there was any, there was any changes. Well, to when the I read about so. it, um, uh, not a hilarious story. It makes me look bad. I was mad at a guy. And I sent him a letter that said, well, why don't you, you know, I was mad at him because he had, he had he'd called me on something and I was insulted by him calling me on my wildly impressive intelligence. And I said, well, maybe you can bring that up at your next Mensa meeting. And he sent me a letter back and he said, uh, Al, uh, we've agreed. Um, this is a rotisserie league argument. We've agreed as the rotisserie league, you can come back in and you can get your player, your big baby. And um, you misspelled Mensa. And, of course, I had to write that person off, and I've never spoken to him again. 
All right. I do like our show today. We seem to have a lot of guests in a row. This is the way we should do. Just knock them off one after another. On the way, Charlie Connor, lead writer of the Philadelphia Sports, Philadelphia Sports, and we're going to talk about the Flyers uh, and and what has been a, a pretty impressive historically rivalry. And I think there's a reason Vincent DeHarnay is dressing tonight. We'll put it that way. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Oil changes on your schedule and bonus air miles reward miles? Only at Jiffy Lube. Right now, get an extra 50 air miles reward miles with your Pennzoil Platinum oil change. Jiffy Lube, keeping you moving. 1242, this is the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Ah, we're living our youth. Declan isn't, but I am. Joined now by Charlie Connor, Charlie O'Connor from Philly Sports. Uh, I loved your work at The Athletic. I love your work now. I love your avatar where you appear to have uh, a photograph that you carry around with you. I like it. Is That's a good look for you. Yeah, yeah. That So the funny story about that, uh, this is my, my Twitter picture. Uh, the year when um, there were no fans in the stands, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies actually are doing quite well right now. Uh, they had a gimmick where you could get your face on a head and have that in the stands as if you were there. <laughs> I did not do this. A few of my friends took one of my pictures from my Facebook account and blew it up on one of those things and had it in the stands. And now my friends sometimes, when I have to miss events because of my job, they bring the head of me in my place. So that is the uh, that is the story behind the uh, the random head of me that I'm holding in that picture. Are all of the people that did this for and to you still your friends? <laughs> yes, they are all still my friends. Unfortunately, okay. Um, a few things I want to get to because I. I for me, I've always been kind of a, a, a Flyers fan just because I like the, the style of hockey they play. But it's been a bit of a downer the last year or maybe two just because of injuries. There's been a lot of them and to really key players. I'm so glad to see Sean Couturier back. How has he looked? I'd say he's looked about as good as you could reasonably expect someone who has missed a year and a half. The last game he played was in the middle of, uh, of December of 2021 uh, before he uh, he started for game one this year. And physically, I would say he pretty much looks like the same guy. He was never you know, a burner of a skater. He's still not super quick, but he's about as fast as he looked from before the, the two back surgeries. Um, physically, he seems like he's fine in battles. Uh, the big thing that has been missing a little bit by his own admission is that he's just rusty. You know, he's missed so much time and his plays with the puck, you know, aren't quite as sharp as they were um, back the last time he played. That said, it seems like he's making progress every game. I thought game three, uh, two nights ago uh, against the uh, the Vancouver Canucks was his best game. He scored a highlight real penalty shot goal, um, but obviously that's a penalty shot. He's not dealing with pressure even when it was a normal game situation. I thought he looked sharper. I thought he was making better passes, quicker plays of the puck. And as he said after the game, he admitted uh, it's not even just the rust factor. It's the fact that in this year and a half, the Flyers have gotten a lot of new players, and he's having to, to kind of learn how to play with guys like Owen Tippett, you know, the rookies they've called up. Cam Atkinson didn't play with much. So uh, there, there are players that he's trying to develop chemistry with still. But I would say that on the whole – 
I'm, I'm enthused with what I've seen from Sean Gattari because we're talking about a guy who had two back surgeries. We're talking about a guy who turns 31 in December. It was no guarantee that he was going to come back even close to what he was, you know, pre-surgeries, which was a legitimate selkie contender. And, you know, after watching him in the preseason, watching him for a few games in the regular season, he, I'm, I'm optimistic that he can get back at least somewhat close to where he was uh, before the surgery. Morgan Frost missed a game. Was that a healthy scratch or, or was there a little nicked up situation there? No, it sure was a healthy scratch, and, and we confirmed this morning, spoke with John Tortorella um, at the morning skate, uh, Morgan Frost is again going to be a healthy scratch. Uh, the Frost situation is fascinating because, you know, this is a talented guy. This is a guy who uh, the second half of the year was the Flyers' best scorer. But really dating back to uh, the start of, of Tortorella's tenure in Philly, which began last season, he really has – he's been hard on Morgan Frost. It doesn't seem like Frost is – you know, for lack of a better term, one of his guys. And look, Frost in the first two games of the season, he didn't play very well. But he wasn't the only one who didn't play very well. It just seems like Torts has decided that he's not sold on Morgan Frost. And he's going to be hard on him. And, and Frost still, even though he had a strong second half last season, even though he put up some points and proved himself to be, a, you know, in my mind, a quality NHL player at the very least, he apparently still has to win over John Tortorella. And, uh, you know, the fact that he's not starting tonight, I think, is more uh, the, the result of, you know, the Flyers played a really good game on Tuesday. I think if the Flyers had lost, Frost probably comes back in. I think even if the Flyers had, had won but in, in less dominating fashion, I think Frost probably comes back in. That said, this is the fourth game, and now he's been scratched for two, and he's healthy. So it's, it's a concern for a team that, you know, they've been open about the fact that they're rebuilding. Morgan Frost is 24 years old. He's a guy who could potentially be part of the future, but at least right now it doesn't seem like John Tortorella sold on him. I also want to ask about Carter Hart, who has been, you know, he came into the league in 1819 and he had two strong years. He made the playoffs in 2020 spring. And then was, was the bloom was off the rose for some time this year. I mean, I know it's three games, but he's been lights out. Is he, is he back? So what I'll say about Hart, to be honest, is that uh, yes, he's back, but, but I think he's been back for quite a while. He, he had, what was truly a horrible year in, uh, in 2020, 2021. So that would have been the year that's the season that started in, in January of 2021, the shortened season. He was terrible. He, he was, he was really bad. His stats were horrific. And uh, quite frankly, he's been open and honest about the fact that he really struggled mentally with the restrictions of the pandemic. And that had a serious impact on, uh, on his play that season. It just kind of spiraled for him the following year. I thought he bounced back. I thought he was better. If you look at his his basic numbers, if you look at his goals against average, if you look at his save percentage, they don't look that great. But you have to account for the fact that the Flyers have been really bad both of those two seasons. I think two seasons ago, Hart was was good, and then by the end of the year, he kind of let the struggles of the team get to him, and that sort of you know torpedoed his stats, his full season stats a bit. Last season, to be honest, and I know his save percentage doesn't look all that great. I thought Frost was, or, uh, Hart was really good pretty much all last year. And the, the low save percentage is more product of the team in front of him. Like if you look at, at metrics like goals saved above, above expected, with a, which account for, for shot quality, Hart stopped about, uh, by, per evolving, uh, evolving hockey's metric, he stopped about 14 shots above expected. So uh, to me, Hart's been back for a while. It's just that if you look at his basic numbers, you might think that he hasn't been because they don't look that impressive. 
It's more because the Flyers haven't been impressive. I think Hart's been back for a while, and he's off to a strong start so far this year. His, his end-of-season numbers might not look great again if the Flyers struggle again, but, but I think Hart's a quality, a quality starting goalie right now. Charlie Arcana, our de- guest uh, from Philly Sports on Sports 1440. I, I asked this not, I, I mean, I've done a little bit of looking at him, but I really don't know who Yegor Zamula is. So tell me a little bit about this player. Yeah, so Zamula, interesting guy. He's, he's not going to be playing tonight. He's, uh, he's, getting the, uh, he's getting a healthy scratch in favor of another prospect, and Andre, who's going to come in in his place using a bit of a rookie defenseman rotation to start the year to make sure both those guys get games. But, but going back to Zamula, Zamula was an undrafted free agent. He, he was a guy who the Flyers kind of invited to camp, liked what they saw, offered him an entry-level contract uh, quite a few years back, and he developed into, honestly, a really intriguing prospect. You know, played internationally for, for Russia in, in, in junior hockey, things like that. And a couple years ago, it looked like he was kind of on a path to, to really potentially being a top-four defenseman for the Flyers. Last year, he made the team out of camp didn't impress in the early season, got sent down to the AHL, and honestly had a pretty rough developmental year. You know, I think he learned a lot, but it wasn't a great year for him in the AHL. And you were kind of wondering, uh, is is this why he was never drafted? Is, is maybe, is he one of those prospects where, yeah, he's got talent because he's big, he's got good vision, he, he's got real poise, but he just doesn't have the, the full package that allows him to put it together. Well, he had surgery in the offseason, came into this camp, and, and quite frankly, throughout preseason and training camp, he's been really effective. He, he earned his way on the roster, and in the games he's played so far, both preseason and in the early regular season, he's been really impressive. It, to me, this is more a case of a guy who has pretty much always been a quality prospect, You know, maybe struggled for, for a bit, and you started to think that maybe he wasn't going to put it together, but... Right now, it looks like he might be putting it together, and I don't think Zamula is going to be a star. I don't see him as a as a potential first pair defenseman, but he's a guy who I think if if he keeps going on this trajectory, he could be a quality second pair guy. And you know, to have a, a six foot six foot six foot three defenseman who can skate, who can can lead a breakout, things like that. You know, that that's a that's a player that most teams would be real happy to have. Charlie, the Oiler fans of my age are whenever they see the Flyers on the schedule, we start rambling on about you know Moose Dupont and and Dave Brown <laughs> and uh, a bunch of other guys who are really rugged rugged players, and we think blood in the streets. But are the Phillies bullies in any way in their current guys? Well, I mean, they have guys like that. You know, they have Nicholas Delorier on the fourth line. Nick Sealer is not afraid to to drop the gloves. Garnet Hathaway is a bit more of a, of a throwback type, but I think the flyers to some degree realize that, you know, you're not going to be able to recreate the Broad street bullies in today's day and age. You know, you, yeah, you might have some tougher guys than, than most teams might have because you have to, you know, play to those elements of the fan base. You got to, you know, appreciate your history, things like that. But those days are done. You need to build a team around skill. And I think that's what they're trying to do. Um, the last few years have been rough. You mentioned about injuries. They played a role, but they also, you know, made some, some bad decisions in terms of team building, uh, signed some bad contracts, made some bad trades. You know, you're talking about, like, for example, Tony D'Angelo, they traded three draft picks away for him last summer and then had to buy him out because it just didn't work out at the end of, of one season. So they've made some mistakes. 
but uh, but I do think that th- there's an understanding on the Flyers' part. They they restructured the front office last summer. Now Danny Briere is running the show as GM. Keith Jones is president of hockey operations. I think there's an understanding that you know times have changed, and quite frankly, that's why they they took the big swing of the draft this past uh, this past summer on Matthew Mitchkoff. You know they know they need star power, and they're hoping guys like him, guys like Cutter Gauthier, who's uh, who's still in college, probably turns pro at the end of the season. They're hoping they can sort of be the next generation of stars that, that can you know pull this team out of the uh, out of the mediocrity they've been in for over a decade. Charlie O'Connor, I enjoyed this. Thank you. Of course, yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, Charlie O'Connor from Philly Sports on Sports fourteen forty. Flyers are always fun. They're just a fun team. By the way, there's a player on the waiver wire that I would like to see the Oilers pick up, and there's a player on the waiver wire that I think they're going to pick up. So I'm going to tell you now, and then we're going to talk about it next hour when we have uh, our friend, Bag Milk, on the way. Uh, Jansen Harkins has been placed on waivers by Pittsburgh. Now, he played with the, the Jets, got waived, ended up in Pittsburgh. Is center, interesting player. And Zach McEwen has been placed on waivers by the Ottawa Senators. That's a guy I can see the Oilers picking up, in all seriousness. Now, I haven't looked at his, you know, cap hit or anything like that. I don't think he's making that much. But he's a guy I think they would be interested in. Maybe he'll clear and they make a trade. Maybe they think Adam Ernie's the guy and they don't have to worry about that right now. Yeah, so he's 775 times three. I, I can see the owners doing this. He's played two games this year, got a point. Now, I'm not going to say book it, because when I book it, it never happens. But I will tell you this, that I'm, I'm going to say this. In the, in the um, Oilers' offices, the pristine, gorgeous... George Jetson futuristic offices of the Edmonton Oilers right now. Probably Ken Holland is at the whiteboard. Probably even spelling McEwen correctly, which is hard to do. I don't think I could do it. And they're going, the old, do you do the positive as negatives or do people do that anymore? Yeah, people do it. Okay. Like the positives about acquiring the player, the yeah, negatives course. about acquiring the player. You have to send Adam Ernie down. That's a negative. You'd have Zach McEwen. It's a positive. If we did a positive and negatives on this show, how many negatives would there be? Oof. More than I would like to admit. <laughs> and most of them would be, they they would rest on my shoulders. No, that's not true. That is just not true. R- well, I ramble. I talk over you. Here's, um, here's what sometimes you I'm, I don't pay attention because I'm typing. Not that I'm not no. paying attention, but I'm doing stuff. You uh, know? People often are not aware of themselves, so I'm going to tell you about yourself. You are an interesting young man, and you are not uh, so cynical that you will uh, decide to not share. That's a really bunch of negatives there. But you share stuff. You do. And it, it's, it endears you to us, and we can giggle because it's funny. You know, human beings are funny. We're a, just a funny bunch. And you're a funny bunch of people. And so we, we love you. We'll get sick of you. Don't worry. We'll move on to the next guy. But right now, you're it, and we're quite enchanted by you. Do you have anything you'd like to say? 
No, just that I appreciate all of that. I think, listen, I mean, obviously he took his shots at me, which is to be expected. But the well, under the underlying coming. sentiment was it was it was very nice, and I well, appreciate that. Yeah. Well, the shots will get harsher and more prevalent, just so you know. To be expected. That's how it rolls. Uh, all right. This is uh, the lowdown on Sports 1440. We're driven by Wolf GMC Buick. On the way, Bagged Milk will talk to us about the Edmonton Oilers. We'll find out about DeHarnay, about Campbell, and more. Time now for a sports update. This is a Sports 1440 update. And for your Sports 1440 update, Oilers Nation. The Edmonton Oilers are in Philly tonight to take on the Flyers, one of 12 games in the league. Top line will be Kane, Dry, and McDavid, and it looks like Campbell will be getting the start. Puck drop for that one is at 5.30. Veteran goalie Craig Anderson is signing a one-day deal to end his career with the Senators. And Jets forward Gabriel Velarde is expected to miss four to six weeks with a sprained MCL in his right knee. Lightning captain Stamkos is set to rejoin the lineup. He took part in the morning skate and will play in tonight's game against the Canucks after missing the last two with an undisclosed lower body injury. NBA News, Philadelphia 76ers guard James Harden skipped practice today for the second straight day with the team officially saying that the disgruntled player is away because of, quote, a personal matter. Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson returned to practice today after missing Cleveland's past two games with a shoulder injury, and the NCAA is investigating the number two Michigan Wolverines football program amid allegations of sign stealing. Members of one of the most successful teams in the history of Canadian curling, the Furby Four, have received the Order of Sport, the country's highest sporting honor. Led by skip Randy Furby, the group included third Dave Nedewin, second Scott Pfeiffer, and lead Marcel Roch. The team quickly became a powerhouse and won three World Men's Curling Championships in the early 2000s, plus four Canadian titles. Just two games in the MLB playoffs, Phillies and Diamondbacks just a little after three, and the Astros and Rangers just after six. I'm Declan Kruger, and this has been a Sports 1440 Update.